Human Plans and Divine Direction is the title. Acts 16, verses 11 through 15 is our text. Second missionary journey of Paul and Silas. They had visited the churches that were planted on the first journey, and now they ventured off. Uh, God closed the door to a couple of regions, and He opened it to Macedonia. And that's presently where we find Paul, Silas, and company. Verse 11. Therefore, putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in this city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to a riverside, where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled there. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Theatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Amen. This is the first convert in the continent of Europe. This is a significant belief decision. When Lydia said, I will believe in that, what you are saying, and her and her household were baptized, this is the first conversion of an entire continent. What a significant occurrence we read about today. I mean, we're talking about the gospel now being spread and going into a whole new region, and this is the first one, the, the first domino, the, the, the tipping point of this new place. I've titled today's message, Human Plans in Divine Direction. We've all been there. We've all been at that proverbial fork in the road. All right? It's like when you're a child. I remember this so vividly, taking like a two-year-old toddler to Target, saying you can pick anything you want. Right? That is the bad thing to say to a two-year-old. I, I promise you, never do that. Right? Because this two-year-old now is standing in front of this plethora of toys thinking, Oh my goodness, it's not what do I want, it's I don't want to choose the wrong one. That's literally what's going through the two-year-old's mind, right? Because they're thinking that, but wait a minute, what, what if I want to choose? Like, and they're thinking of all of these options, and they're thinking, I get to take one home, and you would think that's a great thing, but they're thinking, what am I going to be leaving behind? That's an interesting kind of mental progression that a two-year-old goes through. But isn't that something that follows us through the ages? Through the stages of life, it follows us into adolescence and definitely into adulthood. I mean, think about choosing a college, right? Now, maybe you were lucky enough to only have one option, okay? Then all the other doors are closed, and great, the, the, it has been revealed by the Lord where I should go. God bless you on that. But what if you had four? After school, you finish, you have your degree, and you're applying to different places. And you're thinking to yourself, which one do I want to apply to? And let's say multiple opportunities have presented itself to you. Not only are you thinking, which one do I want? You're thinking about, which ones am I leaving on the table? Relationships. That at every stage in life, we arrive at a space and we have to make a choice. We have to kind of bring back all of the experiences and all of the knowledge and we have to kind of muster up the wisdom to make the right choice in that moment because we are essentially choosing a path and a trajectory for our lives 
that in a sense won't change. Yes, we might be able to get back to the other path down the line, but in a sense, kind of the path that we take now, that's a moment that really determines the season that we're in. And so how do we make those choices? How, how, how do we to assess what's right or what's wrong, what's good or what's bad, what's better? Right? Do you have the good, better, best options in front of you? How do you discern what those are? And as a person of faith, how do you live by faith to the person that wants to live dependent on God, following His direction and voice? How does that occur in a day-to-day -day life? How does prayer hit the road then? some of the things we want to talk about today. There is a, a favorite verse of mine in Scripture, and I, I share it a lot to people in counseling when I'm just talking to them about decisions in life and really kind of being at a difficult place, a, a crux, a hard a particular spot where they're just unsure of. And I, and I usually always share this verse, and it's Proverbs 16.9. And there's two parts to this proverb. The first part of the proverb says that Man has a mind to plan. That the mind of man plans his way, but the second half of the verse says, but the Lord. Okay. And so there's a hinge there. And yes, man has a, a mind and a will and the ability to make plans and choices, but to the person of faith, there is a God that undergirds those decisions. The Lord directs those steps. And there is a beauty in both halves of this proverb. The first half says that God has given man the ability. And the second half says that man now ought to believe and trust in a God that is undergirding and underpinning those plans and established directions. That when I'm here in this moment and I'm deciding what relationship to enter, what place or career field to go into, what city to move, and what choices to make, what to have or what to, to move away from. When I'm making these choices, God has given me a capacity. We call this an intellect, a will, a decisiveness about us to be able to weigh the options to say that this has merit in this way and this is a detriment in that way. And we're able to, to calculate that, put it on a scale and balance it and say, yes, with all that I've known up until now, I can make a choice like this. Red it is. Right? And that's the first half, that the mind of man plans his way. That we make career choices, project choices, family choices, personal choices, and all of these things originate because we have the capacity in our minds to make such choices. This is a good thing, right? If at every particular crux in the road we are completely incapable of that and God has to download a decision for us, that is very inefficient. Right? That's not the way to live life. That's not how God wants us to live a faithful life. It's not like in every moment God download the answer. It's no. I understand that God has created me with a certain ability. And in those moments, I'm able to, in my sanctified spirit, make some choices that are good for me. And I weigh the options and I, and I begin to calculate God, what would be your heart in this situation? And I overlay that to my life. And that's how I make some solid godly choices. But we've all been at the space where we've made the decision and we're like, man, was this a good choice? It's not necessarily buyer's remorse, but it's like a half-hearted regret. Like, ah, uh, what if? 
I know I've taken one step, but uh, what should I do? Was this the best one? Should I take one step back and go the other way? And we've all been there. We've made a choice and we've regretted, or we've at least second-guessed that choice after making it. We're wondering, God, was this the best choice for my future? Was this a godly choice? And we've asked those questions. But after making plans, there must be something in the heart of man that understands that there is an underlying direction that God is leading, leading our lives in. And that brings a tremendous peace to us. Now today I want to share two simple main points. The first being this, that we need to do the best with what we know today. Like, too often I think a lack of knowledge leads to inaction, right? Like, because I don't have all of the information right now, we seem to kind of not make decisions. We hold back for a moment until we can kind of gather everything that's necessary. We read all of the reviews before we hit buy, you know. We just want to make sure that every little crack and crevice was looked under so that now when I commit to it, I know it's the right one. And too often, a lack of knowledge leads to inaction. That I, I, I don't choose. But at least what I think I've found and what... I, probably you found in life is that regret is really not about making the, the wrong choice. I think more often than not, we regret in life by making no choice. Because at least when you make a wrong choice, you somehow learn from it. You're a better person because of it, usually. And there might be mild regret there, but the greatest regrets of our life were for making no choice, inaction, not having the courage to step forward. And I, I think usually in life there are three choices. Sit down, go back, or jump in. That there are junctures in life that a certain opportunity or decision presents itself in the workspace or in the home, in our personal lives, and we got some choices. Right? Do I just sit down and wait it out? Do I say, no, wait a minute, this was the wrong dock to walk down? And do I backtrack? Or do I jump in? And I, I'm trying to think, where is the greatest regret here? And I don't think regret in its greatest form comes when a person sits down or chooses to kind of backtrack a little early. I think the greatest regret comes when we choose not to jump in. And uh, let me give you a kind of a lighthearted example. I know summer just passed. And the, the boys, they love swimming. You know, this past summer, Jacob took off his vest, and Christopher's kind of at the space where he's entertaining whether he wants to take off the vest and learn how to swim. But they love swimming. They love water. Kids and water, they're almost like synonymous, right? They just love getting in water. And after school, they're always asking in the summer, Dad, can we go swimming, right? And so, you know, we got a pool in our little community, and so more often than not, I would take them swimming. And there are certain times of the day where the water isn't quite warmed up yet, like on certain Saturday mornings, right? Or like in the evening, it's warmed up a lot. And whenever I choose to take them swimming, I always put on swimming trunks myself just in case, right? And I get to the, to the pool, and I, the first thing, I clean the water right, with the net, and then I, I, I dip my, my toe in there, and I'm kind of gauging the temperature a little bit. And there are times where I dip my toe in, and I say to myself, the temperature's not quite warm enough where it's comfortable for me. I'd rather sit in the, in the, in the, the chair and kind of bask in the toasty sun. And, uh, 
you know. Uh, but for the kids, I mean, they can't get in the water fast enough, right? They just jump right in. Dad, can I jump in now? And they, they jump in. And the kids are relentless, right? Like, Dad, come on in, come on in. And they're just badgering for me to, to get into the pool with them. And, uh, you know, uh, there are times where I fight it off and I say, no, I got to do something, right? And, uh, and I just kind of sit back. But more often than not, I find that when I just jump in the water, my body acclimates to the temperature quite quickly, and I find the joy that I could have missed out on if I had not just jumped in. That the, the moments spent with the boys and the enjoyment spent just throwing them around or having them on my back or my shoulders, and the memories that I think would be imprinted on their minds as well as in mine, that those all could have been missed out on if I was just too afraid to jump in or overcome the temperature difficulties or just simply lost a sense of adventure. And how do you overlay that to our lives? I mean, how often do we find ourselves on a dock and there's a decision in front of us and maybe it's fear or maybe it's simply because I lost a sense of adventure in the moment and I'm just playing it safe, right? And how I think many moments and joys that we have given up on or let go of or not experienced simply because we chose not to jump in, right? And the reasons for us not going in, I mean, I mentioned one, right? A lack of knowledge. We feel as though I don't have all of the information, so I'm just not going to make a decision right now on this. But I think the best we can do in our lives is make the best decision in the day that we're living with the information that we have right then and there. Right? I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. But what I can do is make a calculated best decision today. I don't know what my work environment's going to be like a year from now, but I can navigate my, my team and the projects to the best of my ability right now. I don't know what my body's going to feel like next year, but I can do the best with what I have today. I might not uh, think that this is the best decision next week, but today, if it is the right decision for me, if I've made that sanctified decision, I ought to make it. And I have to experience what that day holds, what God has for me in that moment, and not be afraid of uncertainty, adventure, and be able to make those courageous decisions. Those I don't think we will ever regret. Even if they turn a little sour down the path a little bit, there is some good that can be fished out of those moments. But it's only when we chose, you know what? Uh, I, I'm not going to choose this. I'm, I'm going to go a different route because I just don't know. And it's when fear motivates us not to jump in. Those are the things that we regret in life. Those are the things that later on in life, man, if I only had the courage back then to make that decision. And those are the things that play back in our mind. And so, for this first point, I just want to say, when you're faced with the day that's in front of you, make decisions to the best of your ability for that day with the information that you have, with the God that wants to speak to you on that day and make choices. I look at Paul and Silas. God had closed the door, right, to these different regions. And they're now in this new area. They've never been here. It's virgin territory. Meeting people they've never met before. Being in communities that are completely brand new to them. And Paul, on the Sabbath, I, I don't even know where to go, he's thinking. Let's, uh, there's probably a place of prayer if we go out the gates and we go by the river. And he says he supposed there was a place of prayer. 
I mean, as you think about that, he's just kind of making decisions like, is that the best decision? As God has opened up the entire region of Macedonia, the continent of Europe to us, and he's trying to make decisions of what's best for the church, what's best for his faith, best for the ministry in that particular missionary journey. He's making decisions on what he supposed. I think there's some lessons that we can learn out of there. From his experience, there were places of prayer in certain cities, in certain regions. And so, as he's in a new city, never been here before, not knowing where the the geography or the the different spaces are, he's saying, you know what, there's probably something if we go here, why don't we try that? And after going there, it wasn't just a random thing in God's eyes. There was a woman there who was ready, God was prepping her heart. The scripture says that God opened her heart. And there is something there that is so connected and profound. And to Paul, he was thinking, wow, that was a random decision that ended up pretty good. Right? But he made the best choice in the moment with the information that he had, with the experience that was his. And God somehow was able to bring that to a great end. Second point. God connects plans and days. Right? So the first part is, let's just make the best choice today with what I got. Right? Let's not be afraid. Right? But after making those choices and living each day, what we need to believe is that God connects them. That they're not just isolated island days. That today is disconnected from yesterday. It's not the case. That a life of faith in God is a life of connected days and connected plans. That some, in my mind, seem connected, but a lot seems unconnected, right? It's just like I made this choice and somehow it led to that. I didn't plan for that, right? But in God's eyes, it's very different, right? The map I gave to you last, last week, right? Cut. There we go. The map that I gave to you last week. They started in Antioch. God closed the door to Galatia and and, uh, Bithynia. And in Troas, he opens the door to Macedonia. The red line is their journey, right? And a lot of this red line now, it looks definite, right? Like, oh yeah, he went from this city to that city to that city to that city. But for Paul and Silas and company, en route to these particular spaces, it wasn't planned. It wasn't Paul saying, all right, we're going to go from here because this naturally leads to there and this naturally goes to that city. It was Paul saying, I want to go there, but God saying, no, not here. It's okay, we're here next. What's next? And just kind of just going and going, and God somehow leads them to the, to the regions of Macedonia and to the city of Philippi, and there, now in a new city, where do we go? I don't know. Let's, let's just try here, right? And so for the people on the journey, it seems so random. But for God orchestrating this divine plan unfolding in the book of Acts, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, this is God's blueprint. This is God's plan, right? And so now he's orchestrating from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And God saw this right from Acts 1.8. But from Paul and Silas's perspective, this is not that. Right? But God connects it. Now, some time ago, I preached a message to you called Random Dots, right? If you're here for that message, I showed you this particular screen, right? It was just like this haze of dots on on this particular space, right? And I meticulously went in and I erased all of the, the numbers, right? Because what this was, was a connected dot puzzle, right? 
And so from our perspective, our lives look like that. Just random dots everywhere on a page, like unconnected. I, I went here because my parents said I should go there. I went there because circumstance dictated. I did that decision because my boss told me to do that. And for us, all of the decisions in every space that we landed is somewhat random. We feel like someone else either dictated it or just happened, right? And we're just there. Like, I ended up in this city. I ended up with this person. I ended up making that choice. Right? But from God's perspective, he sees numbers. Why? Because he sees the picture. Right? And so you zoom it out. This is our lives. And each one is a day or a decision. Right? And for us, we're like, wait, why am I going from here way over here? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It does if you see the numbers. It does if you know what the picture looks like. And that's God's vantage point. God looks at our lives from beginning to end, birth till death, and He says, ah, this is the picture I want to draw with your life, and it's going to have these particular spaces, it's going to go from there to there, because this is what it's going to look like. And God sees the picture. So He's put the numbers next to those days and decisions. But for us, we don't see the numbers. And the picture might come clearer at our later, later stages in life, but especially in our young adult years, it seems as though the entire world is just in front of us and all of these decisions need to be made. And will I make the right one? Will I meet the right person? Will I be in the right career field? Will I have money? Will I do all of this? And we're thinking, I just don't know. But don't let that not knowing immobilize you. Make a decision today, a sanctified decision based on faith, the heart of God with wisdom, recollecting your experiences, making the best choice in the moment, and just make a choice confidently. Decide, walk forward, take a risk, jump in, and watch how God connects those docks. Watch how God connects those decisions and days and plans. The mind of man plans, plans. But the Lord directs. We can plan for the moment, but God is the director of the movie. The one who tells the actors, you know what, this is the end scene, and so this is how you need to do this particular one. That's the director. And that's God's vantage point. I'll direct this scene, this shot, based on the outcome that I see. There was another message that I shared a particular picture. It's censored, right? Um, it's a beautiful picture, right? It's Michelangelo's uh, creation of Adam on the roof of the Sistine Chapel. Yes, I know. I just need to censor this one, right? It's just, we don't want to stumble any, anybody here, guys and girls, right? But I, I showed you this picture one time, and I, I love this picture. This is a beautiful piece of artwork, right? And for those of you who are into graphic design, so David, maybe you, and a couple other, you know, you, you know that colors are a mix of primary colors, right? And when I gave you this picture, when I first spoke a message on this, talking about I was made, right? I, I zoomed in, right? I zoomed in over 4,000%. And I, and I zoomed in on the particular areas, the nostril of Adam, <laughs> a little pink background, and a hair curl of one of the angels underneath God. I just zoomed in over 4,000% on the screen, right? And this is what I saw. Little blobs. A brown blob, a pink blob, and a blonde blob. That's what it was, right? And I meticulously used my color picker 
and I went into every single pixel in these blobs and I found the unique combination because every pixel is a combination of lightness, hue, and saturation. Right? How light or dark it is, right? how dull or intense it is, and its color. It's, is it yellowish, reddish, bluish? Right? And so every pixel is a combination of those three things, lightness, hue, and saturation. And so I went into every one, and this is the combination of every single pixel, at least, that I gave for you. This took a lot of time when I first did it. I promise you it did. I think it took me an hour alone just for this particular slide. All right? But why do I bring this up again? I look from just a far-off vantage point, and I see just a beautiful piece of artwork. I see a picture. I see an emotion. I see a story happening. And that's pulled out, right? But then you zoom in and all you look, imagine all I showed you was a square that was brownish, right? Like, what is this, right? And your mind can go wild as to think, what in the world is this? This makes no sense. I don't like the color brown at all. You know, I'm a yellow guy, right? Or whatever, right? I'm a pink lady, right? And so you might not like the colors that I zoomed in on, but the reason why I did that and the reason why I show you the unique color code of each individual pixel is to say, what if there are pixels that just look like, you know, one was today or one was yesterday or one was a decision here, one was saying yes to that, one was no, one was making a right turn, one was making a left turn. And I want to say to you, that each pixel here, in my illustration, can be a unique combination of people, actions, emotions. That I made a decision today because of the people that were influencing the decision, based on the actions that led to it, and based on my emotion in the moment. And that led to a decision today, right? In this moment, it did. And it was a unique thing that happened but when you overlay that to tomorrow's decision, that color code, the different people that surround you, the different actions that led up to it, the emotions that you felt, and that's overlaid to the next decision, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, and suddenly you're beginning to have variations here. Now you're beginning to see oranges next to browns and pinks and yellows and blacks and whites, right? And every decision was a unique one, but overlaid, and you pull it back, and you pull it back, and you pull it back, and from God's vantage point, He sees this in its totality. But for us, in the moment, oh, so that was a brown decision. That was very yellowish. That was dark. That was intense. But those are all necessary. Necessary specs in the totality of life. Life is filled with human plans, but we must believe it's undergirded by divine direction. I think this brings the greatest peace in life. I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll make a choice. I don't know. But I believe. I believe there is a God that directs. I, I don't believe in a haphazard, random creation. I don't believe there was a, a bang in history that somehow resulted in something significant. I don't believe God just wound it up and let it go. I believe He's involved. I believe He knows my day, my emotion, my spirit, the people I'm around. He knows my influence and the lack of. 
And as I make each choice, overlaid against the story of my life that he's mapped out, I begin to have peace. It's like, okay, wait a minute, it was a bad day, it was a bad choice, but wait a minute, this black is overlaid next to this white. And there begins to be a reason. And it's not random anymore. And I hope to reinforce this in your life today. Make choices best that you can in the moment. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear immobilize and stop you. Make plans. You're in a new environment. You've never met anybody there. You don't know where to go or what to do. Well, at least overlay it to similar experiences in the past. What worked out before? And in that moment, what are your emotions? How do you feel God leading you? What are the things He's spoken or whispered into your heart? What are the inclinations that you are moving towards? Does Scripture have anything to say? Are there any eternal principles that you can overlay to this particular choice? And you kind of bring all of that and you put it on the grid of this decision. You say, okay, wait, with all of this now, I now make a plan, a choice, and I choose to walk this way. Walk confidently. Jump right in and go, not recklessly, confidently. And as you go, just believe and know that that pixel is next to another one, next to another one, and next to another one, and God understands and knows it all. I close. Praise team, come back. I close with two points. First is this. Allow God's word and heart to formulate your character and values. You know, I can't emphasize this enough in making decisions. You know, we're just never going to have all of the information, I promise you, right? It's, isn't that a human experience? We just don't know it all, right? And so I think, in my own experience, the best preparation we can have to moments and places that are unknown to us is to have a sanctified inner man. That our heart and our values are lined up to the heart of God, right? That if my values are godly ones, that if my character is formulated in the heart and ways of Christ, that if that is beginning to be set a certain way, you just put that anywhere, right? You say, you know what? If a generous person will be generous there and generous there because it's a character trait, right? A hurried person might be hurried there and hurried there. It's just a character trait. And so what I'm saying is, Rather than trying to get every bit of information so that you know what to decide in every single circumstance you might be in, just simply allow your character and values to be aligned to the heart of God. And when that happens, wherever God places you, whatever new city or environment or people you're around, those values and that character begins to manifest. This, I believe, is a key to making good and godly choices in a very unpredictable world. Second is this. Trust the sovereignty of God. And like I said, I don't know of any other truth that brings more peace in life than this. If you will allow your life to trust in a sovereign director and just trust that he can do good stuff with bad things, <laughs> like I give him mud and he makes this beautiful sculpture. I give him cracked bricks and he somehow makes this beautiful monument. Like, wow, how do you do that, God? Right? If your worldview incorporates this, the sovereignty of God, you will have peace. You will have peace. You will trust. You'll learn how to take bad things in stride. You won't get rocked off the horse. 
You might slow down for a little bit, but you won't give up because you trust in His sovereignty. Let this sink deep in your heart today. Amen.